Hey, Rose, do you ever call up Royally Obsessed on Alexa? It's one of the easiest ways to listen to the pod. You can hear our latest episode every week there, thanks to Amazon Music, which has a full catalog of podcasts, including Royally Obsessed. All you have to do is say, Alexa, play Royally Obsessed on Amazon Music. Oh, no, mine is listening to me say that right at this moment. <laughs> a royal reminder, new episodes drop every Thursday. Tune in on Amazon Music. Now on to the show. Please rise for their majesties of Royally Obsessed, the podcast for all things royals. Stand by! Three cheers for Her Majesty the Queen! Hello, and welcome back to Royally Obsessed. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> okay, I'm going to start for real. Okay. Hello, and welcome back to Royally Obsessed. I'm Caitlin Menza. And I'm Lisa Ryan. And it's time for your weekly update on the royal news you need to know. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast, where you can see our faces every week on the day the episode comes out, usually. Or the day after. Or the day after-ish. And join our Facebook group, Royally Obsessed. Subscribe to the podcast and leave us the royal rating of a five-star review. Um, You can ask your aunts and uncles to also give us a five-star review around the Thanksgiving table. Wow, that seems like a really great activity. (laughs) a way to bond you can also send us an email at info at gallerypodcast.com to ask us any and all questions about the royals and this week first we want to say happy thanksgiving um if you're celebrating it's american thanksgiving gobble gobble or vegan gobble gobble or vegetarian gobble gobble i think that should be vobble vobble (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this is when Caitlin transforms into a dad. <laughs> or like an asker, asterisk. And then it's like not a real gobble gobble kind of thing. Bobble um, bobble. Bobble bobble. This week we are giving you some quick updates from the Cambridges and Sussexes who are doing their absolute best to uh, put positivity into the world. Um, yes. And there's also a really great grassroots initiative supporting the Sussexes and the environment that yes, we'll talk about. that we'll talk about. And then we're going to do a little crown uh, dive into Princess Anne. Um, that's just so you can prepare no matter where you are in your viewing. We just want to like get into Princess Anne for a moment. But like, no, it's based in history. Of course. So it's not a spoiler. No, uh, just our, she's our breakout star for season three. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, we have to get into the horror that is Prince Andrew. Yep. We'll, we'll put it there towards the end so that you can skip it if you need to. Because <laughs> uh, it should be a happy week. It's a vacation week. It's a terrible thing to have to get into. Um, mm-hmm. But first, um, oh, a royal cocktail. And now it's time for the weekly royal cocktail. We're having a diet ginger ale. Sorry. Um, Preparing for the Thanksgiving feast. Something like that. And then with our, our standard Crown Royal. I mean, it's not bad tasting, right? No, it's great. It's What a ringing endorsement. It's not bad tasting. <laughs> <laughs> I do love Crown Royal, so awesome. Yeah, it's, it's not bad. Um, and then a listener email. Would you like to take, take the lead on this one? Sure. Um, it is from Anna, and she's writing to us from Southern Africa. And, of course, like many emails we get, this is a little bit long, so I'm just going to edit it down to a really cute anecdote that she shared <laughs> about um, – watching the latest, well, Meghan and Harry's royal wedding with her students. And um, she said, first of all, she was never very interested in the royals when 
Now I'm going to quote. Mm-hmm. When I lived in the States, I did get up at 4 a.m. to watch Kate Mary William. I'm a good person after all. I'm a human person after um, all, which she wrote, which I really sorry. like. <laughs> I'm sleepy. I liked um, it. Oh, my God. That was so annoying of me. I'm sleepy. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Great episode. It's okay. You are sleepy. Tabloids report breaking news. Royal <laughs> scandal. Sleepy. Commentator sleepy. Um, anyway, um, quote, but moving here made me more aware of their impact globally, which sparked my interest. Then Megan entered the scene. I tried to play it cool, but I couldn't help getting giddy over an American woman of color getting engaged to a British prince. Then at their wedding, I found myself unexpectedly moved by the symbolism and revolutionary qualities of it all. I'm a teacher, and several of my students watched the wedding with me. It was really meaningful for them to see a woman who looked like them marrying a prince. I've been royally obsessed ever since. Um, she continues uh, that she has a postcard of Meghan and Harry that her mom bought for her at Heathrow, and it's framed and it's in her house. Like, like their people, she knows. Uh, <laughs> makes total sense to me. Um, and then she said, when I got engaged, I bought a dupe of Meghan's perfect second dress. The dress is super affo- affordable from Holden and can also be worn for non-wedding purposes as it's available in multiple colors. Super cute. And um, she explained that her fiancé is South African and isn't super obsessed with the royals, but she's been slowly converting him. So her subject line was two royal converts. And she included a photo um, of her, Anna, with her fiancé, Rob, on the day they announced their engagement. And they are super cute. They're very cute. Um, We love love. We love love here. Controversial Uh, opinion. (laughs) So thank you so much for writing, Anna, and congratulations on your engagement. And I'm really excited to see you in that dress because oh that second dress I still think about it I know it's so perfect I maybe even an aquamarine ring like that big cocktail ring she ah! wore because that was amazing careful with your phone ever since I took off the case it's been slipping everywhere it's not a time to shatter your phone especially because I'm about to use mine for an audio inclusion in the episode so this week in royal history and now this week in royal history we are honoring, if that's dishonoring. It's actually extremely appropriate. It's super appropriate. Like so, the timing of it. <laughs> uh, November 24th, 1992, so 27 years ago, the queen gave her speech um, in which she reflected on her Annus Horribilis, her horrible year. So I queued up the video because I think that you just need to hear the first line in her uh, in her accent because, of course, I can't do it justice. And if the quality is bad, you should listen to it after. Yes, please. Please. Hold on. I was so ready and now it's screwed up. Wow, whose phone is broken now? <laughs> 1992 so she, sorry, I uh, got caught up there at the beginning. She said 1992 is not a year on which I shall look back with undiluted pleasure, which is such a hilarious understatement. That's why Lisa was laughing. I just, I love that turn of phrase and I would like to start using it in every aspect of my life. I know, like when I said sleepy earlier, I should say I am not moving forward with undiluted, undiluted pleasure. pleasure. So 1992 was the year that uh, Charles and Diana separated and the same year that Andrew Morton's biography came out, which of course we later learned was a essentially an autobiography because she had given him direct access and interviews. Mm -hmm. And in that biography, it came out of 
you know, she discussed the cheating. She discussed um, her own issues with self-mutilation and bulimia. And then at the same year, uh, Princess Anne got her divorce was finalized in 1992. And then Prince Andrew and Sarah Speak Ferguson. Of the devil. Yeah. Sarah Ferguson was photographed topless and having her toes sucked by her financial advisor. So they separated also. So basically three of her four kids either separated or divorced that year and almost all in like embarrassing situations. And then uh, Windsor Castle almost burned to the ground. So, yeah, a bad year. A bad year. Um, And so that was a speech that she gave 27 years ago this week. Um, And she says, I sometimes – she ended the speech. I sometimes wonder how future generations will judge the events of this tumultuous – excuse me, tumultuous year, I dare say that history will take a slightly more moderate view than that of some contemporary commentators. Distance is well known to lend enchantment even to the less attractive views. Basically saying, like, maybe in a couple of years this won't seem as bad. But I have to tell you, still seems pretty bad. Still seems pretty bad. And um, but this year isn't great either. <laughs> a lot of people are calling this her second Anastrobolus. Yeah. Although if you watch The Crown, you see a lot of Horribilis years. She's had a lot of tough, tough times. I agree. A lot of the Annises have not been so great. <laughs> we are Latin scholars. <laughs> I don't think. We're not offensive. And I, perhaps. Um, so we'll get back to that in a little bit. Um, we just thought it was so funny when we realized it was the anniversary of that. Um, on a happier note, today, the day we're recording Tuesday, is also the two-year anniversary of um, Harry and Meghan announcing their engagement. Yes. Thank you to Chris Jackson for reminding us oh, yes. on Instagram. What a pure and happy day. Um, actually, I'm currently, you, know, you guys know I'm a freelancer. I'm currently working at House Beautiful. And when I arrived there a couple of weeks ago, um, <laughs> behind some boxes, the staff found a full-size cutout of Meghan and Harry at the engagement announcement, and they put it really? next to my desk. So now I have that with me at all times. <laughs> Wow. I know. It's That's really, really nice. Well, I used to have a picture of them framed when I was at the cut. Yeah. Also the engagement photo. Yeah. That was a really successful photo call. She looked amazing. Um, so that's a much happier anniversary than some of the other things. But uh, That was not an Annas Horribilis. Not an Annas Horribilis. And what a pure and happy occasion compared to some of the things we're going to discuss. Yes. Um, but in, while we're discussing the Sussexes, let's chat about this unbelievable thing. And I don't know if anybody listening participated in this, but... I bet you might have because the Venn diagram, you're royally obsessed if you're listening and you're royally obsessed if you are helping the Sussexes in this grassroots campaign. So basically, a bunch of Sussex fans decided to get together and start the Sussex Great Forest. Um, and they are planned with the goal of planting 10,000 trees all around the world in the couple's name. This is not something that Harry and Meghan started uh, or rather initiated. It's just fans doing it in their honor. Yes. And I'm sure everybody knows that Megan and Harry have such a really dedicated and loyal group of fans online who have already mobilized um, for the Global Sussex Baby Shower around yes. the time of, you know, the baby shower and before Archie was born. And so this is like a second major grassroots campaign that has again gotten the attention of the Sussexes with good reason. So they were aiming to plant 10,000 trees around the world in the couple's name. And Sussex Royal um, posted about it on their Instagram stories. And they wrote, huge thanks to the amazing group of people who have launched the Grassroots Sussex Great Forest Initiative. What a special surprise. The aim of this project, as I just said, is to plant 10,000 trees around the world by donating globally and planting locally. We are so inspired. Thank you. It's so great. And I'm I'm just double checking to make sure that this account is still live. But um, the fans behind it started a an Instagram handle so you can follow along. And it is Sussex 
GT Forest. Um, so you can see it only has 1,700 followers, but it's basically just a way so you can see um, the progress. So when the Sussexes posted about it, there had been 4,000 trees planted, and that was on November 22nd. Today is November 26th, and it says... 8,900 trees have been planted That's as of amazing. yesterday. So probably by the time this episode comes out, they will have reached the goal. And it's just like so incredible. And I can't. That's I really amazing. I just think it's really, really inspiring. And it goes to show that even when they're like not out on the scene or doing things themselves, their behavior has inspired fans to do things completely on their own. And also it's really nice to have these reminders of um, – some really positive aspects of this family that we discuss so often. You know, I mean, we're uh, we're going to get into Andrew later, and there's so much horribleness around this. It's such a, and it's horribleness, but, like, these two are really inspiring some really remarkable things. Yes, yes. And, of course, uh, the Cambridges are doing amazing work as well. And so, well, first we'll just mention the... I don't want to call it's not controversy by any means, but last Thursday, um, Kate and William were scheduled to attend the Tusk Conservation Awards. This is kind of a big one for them. Um, they go almost every year. Last year, Kate rewore that turquoise uh, Jenny Packham dress. That's like one of my oh. all, exactly. It's one of my all time favorites. And when I was listening to last week's episode, as I do, we listen to our own episodes so we can Im- we have to know what we're embarrassed by. <laughs> so we can improve and also narcissism. So um, I was listening to last week's episode and we were like, here's something to look forward to. Another black tie event is happening. And of course it did happen and William attended, but Kate did not. And so uh, right before Kensington Palace, uh, a spokesperson said that Kate wouldn't be attending um, due to, quote, due to the children. And so people were like, oh God, what, is that, what does that mean? And so the reporters were asking them and they clarified that uh, the matter, like the the concern of the emergency was not related to the health of George, Charlotte, or Louis. It's like everybody's okay. Um, but, you know, the Tusk Conservation Awards, it's like a group that they always work with. And of course, obviously, it's for the environment. And so uh, it's still so important to them. And earlier that day, uh, some of the honorees met with um, with William and Kate. And so they released a photo from that almost to say, like, see, she's OK, <laughs> you know, yeah. and she was wearing a great green dress by uh, Bula London. Um, so that was lovely. But it did send a bit of a, a panic, you know, like. What, what does that mean? It's really, it's a kind of a big deal for her to cancel something like that. Mm-hmm. So I hope everything's okay. I hope everything's okay too. Yeah. And then we saw William again today on Tuesday. Obviously, we normally record on Tuesdays. Um, mm-hmm. And so he was at uh, a the, tea, another tea, very British of him. He was <laughs> at a tea for the 2019 Legacy Award recipients from the Diana Awards at Kensington Palace. And the Diana Award is, I'm quoting from Kensington mm-hmm. Royal right now. The Diana Award is a continuation of Princess Diana's legacy and her belief that young people have the power to change the world for the better. And the event takes place every two years, and it celebrates the achievements of 20 outstanding young leaders, visionaries, and role models from across the world who have demonstrated their ability to inspire and mobilize new generations and to serve their communities. And then we were looking at the awards um, Instagram right now. It's like happening as we record. Yes. And... Uh, Lord Spencer, Diana's brother, was at the award. Mm -hmm. It's really special. Um, And similarly, they hosted a summit earlier this year, the Diana Awards. And, um, of course, Harry attended that and, you know, met with some of these kids, these inspiring kids. And I just love that it's the brothers working together with the Spencer family on something like this. It just goes to show that obviously those connections are continuing and Mm -hmm. – 
you know, to watch. I, I recommend ch- checking it out on uh, the Kensington Palace social media because you can see the little video that plays of Diana, you know, during the awards ceremony. It's it's really lovely. Um, yes. So, yeah. So those two, uh, those four are doing their absolute best to continue to inspire and do amazing work and call attention to important causes. Despite while other aspects of their family implode. (laughs) (laughs) And despite the garbage fire. And so before we get to that part, we want to talk about the crown. Last week we had Jackson McHenry from Vulture on and we discussed the first three episodes and we got in a little deep about, you know, themes, etc. Etc. You know, it was the etc. really. So we're gonna go through this stuff a little quickly, but at the end of last week, or yeah, and end of the week, we started to see reports that um Imelda Staunton was uh, cast as the queen for seasons five and six. And I was like, oh, interesting. Cool. Yeah. When that first came out, it's not that I called BS per se, but I G-chatted Lisa as I do. And I was like, if this is true, amazing casting, but it's a weird time for them to announce that because we won't see it for two more years. And also, like, why would you blast this right now in the midst of, like, all the crown fury? Like, why There's not- enough press. Yeah, like, there's enough press around this show. Like, why not just, like, wait a month or, like, wait till January or wait till things die down and then be like, by the way, we got Imelda Staunton. Um, she would be amazing casting. You might know her. Um, she played Dolores Umbridge in the Harry Potter movies, um, in addition to other things. But of course, that's like American millennials. That's what we know her from. Um, she would be amazing in that role, but it's so far out. Yeah. And then... Um, and Netflix sort of like, you know, said, nah. <laughs> yeah, they didn't like deny that it's her flat out, but they're like, dude, this is my summary. They said, dude, <laughs> dude. <laughs> we're filming season four. Like, give us some space. Yeah, they said, we're currently filming. We have not commissioned any further seasons. That's exactly yet. what I just said. Well, I'm just saying, I like the I <laughs> verbatim. Like, I like the language of commissioned any further seasons. Because I'm like, first of all, you're giving me more seasons. Don't like even play as if like, who even knows if there'll be a season four? Like, that's <laughs> super rude. After all you've put me through. But um, the waiting, the waiting. But, you know, she's great. I still in my heart. Again, this is really early but think it should be Helen Mirren. Everyone thinks that. Right? I mean like they have P- her, she and Peter Morgan have that relationship and she's already played the queen for Peter Morgan so like but I also give like it to me. I like Imelda as well so like if it's her that's amazing. That would be super but amazing. But if it's Helen Mirren like I bow down. Yeah I mean I, I welcome it but again in two years from now. So um, yeah that was like flaring up a little bit. Um, and then another um, part about the crown we wanted to chat about was um the crown shows, you know, Charles, Camilla, Camilla, and Andrew Parker Bowles. Like, yeah. And then Andrew Parker Bowles and Anne, which we'll get into. It's, it's like a whole a weird, like, rectangle love, square. Yeah, love square. But, no, like, two people are related. Siblings. It's really gross. It's very confusing and difficult <laughs> to talk about. But what's kind of interesting is that, like, the show never really clearly meets. Sorry. The show never really clearly shows Charles and Camilla meeting for the first time. You just kind of see it on the polo field where she's like kind of cheering for him, for him and you're like, is that the first time they met right. or not? And so Harper's Bazaar had an explainer about um, the first meeting. And then they also kind of get into the varying reports of how they actually met. So the BBC reported at some point that a young Charles and Camilla first met at a polo match in Windsor in 1970. But then people in a different report had suggested that um, they met at a party and, in 1972, two years later. Yeah, in 1972. And Camilla Shand, who is then a 25-year-old post-deb living in <laughs> London, 
I love this, told him sassily, my great-grandmother was the mistress of your great-grandfather. I feel we have something in common. Ew. I hope that's not what she said. I hope so, too. But then a third account, which says it was, per Harper's Bazaar, says it was reported by Oprah Magazine, so I believe it, um, says that they met at a polo match in 72 and that they were introduced by a mutual friend. Yeah, a mutual friend who was the daughter of the former Chilean ambassador to London. Um, But yeah, I mean, we just know what happened next from it, basically. But but yeah, I... uh, you know, obviously I went into the season being so excited for Olivia Coleman and Tobias Menzies and HBC, but the, the, what's really sticking with me are the portrayals of Charles and Anne because they're, like, groovy. <laughs> yeah, also the thing is um, it's been pretty clear to listeners that I've not necessarily been the most sympathetic to Charles at all times. But no. seeing, you know, the lack the lack of parental Warmth. affection yeah like <laughs> That's such a diplomatic way of putting it lisa <laughs> like the lack he just what he i mean i know it's a fictional depiction i mean but it's like based on real things but like just the circumstances he grew up in and how he was this like very sensitive like artistic guy who had to put all of his feelings aside and also not get any love whatsoever from his yeah. parents it's kind of like oh i know like i sympathize in season two we got him you know being tortured in freezing cold showers at his mini prep school and then this season we get um him being tortured also at a different school sort of by his welsh teacher and i found it to be very moving i, I yeah i found it really moving as well um and then at the as after he's finally just done a good job, his mom is even meaner to him. And it's like, literally, nobody wants to hear you speak. No. It's <laughs> like, I'm, just, I'm so used to, I'm so used to loving Olivia Coleman at all times. And I'm like, even when she was a horrible stepmother in Fleabag, I'm like, yeah. you're so ignorant, but I love you. Yeah. But this time I'm just like, oh, God. This is real tough. Um, so I'm loving the portrayal of Charles, the guy who plays him just he well, he gets the ears right. But also the way he stoops his shoulders is like incredible. Really good job. The body language is really solid. Um, but as we said at the beginning, we are here to chat about Princess Anne. Yes. Now, who would not that she's like the star of the season by any means, but she like steals every scene she's in. She's like the Margaret to me in that way where I'm like, give me more of her. Like, I want to hear more about her. Um, first of all, the actress who plays her well, is very talented, but also looks exactly like her. Yes, Like, it did. unbelievably exactly like her. Remarkable casting. And then she also carries herself with the same badassness that yes. Anne has always carried herself since we've been paying attention. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. So before um, starting this podcast and learning more and more about Princess Anne, I always, here was the impression I had of her. I think I've mentioned this on the show before. Um, the Fug Girls, when they write about her fashion, always sort of, Create, have created this character of her that she's like a badass spy, like based in nothing really except for her sort of countenance that she carries herself like, get out of my way. I have business to attend to. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, of course, that's like a fictionalization. And so is this. But they they sort of align that she's just like this badass is like, get out of my way. Like all of you are so silly. Um Not in a condescending way, but just like she's cool and you want to hang out with her like you would want to sit next to her at Christmas mm-hmm. at Sandringham. Um, and I just, I love this depiction of her. I love that when you see her for the first time, she's, of course, like, wearing horse boots. 
like riding boots. Um, I love that she's wearing groovy little short skirts. And Harper's Bazaar also did a roundup of what the crown gets right about Princess Anne. They do a lot of very great royals coverage. And they yes. also have Omid on staff. Of course. Sobe, who yeah. is like the royal person we love. Yeah. And I so I'm really loving all of their coverage at Harper's Bazaar. And so the first item they covered is indeed, yes, the young princess loved wearing mini skirts. And they have this <laughs> image of her from what appears to be the 1970s or the late 60s. And she's wearing um, a coat dress that's very Kate Middleton. And it's just funny I that actually, this is a mini skirt. I actually was like, where's the picture of the mini skirt? I know. Because that's, <laughs> to me, like mid-length. Yeah, it's midi. It's a mini skirt only by 1960s standards because it is, um, I would say, one half inch above her knee. But if you compare it to in the photo, she's standing with uh, Princess Margaret and her grandmother, the Queen Mother, and they're both wearing dresses below their knee or at their knee. And so by comparison, she definitely looks like young and swingy. Mm-hmm. Um but it's just so funny that that's, like, scandalous. But, yeah, she gets really, really great clothes. I mean, I love all the clothes this season because it's, like, They're really amazing. the late 60s. It's really fun. The hats are outrageous. Um, but, yeah, Anne gets really fun stuff. And I liked seeing um, her relationship with her brother where he's like, please come visit me. And she's like, no, Wales is depressing. <laughs> <Just> like, <laughs> it's, like, both a terrible and interesting, like, good per- um, portrayal of whales. I'm kind of intrigued by whales after oh, yeah, I really watching this. Go. Their um, history is so interesting. I don't know much about it. No. And admittedly. Um, again, so. all the props to the crown for always making us be like, hmm, what do I need to go Google? Um, but so I, I'm just loving her uh, and I can't really get over her dating Andrew Parker Bowles. Yes, because it really happened. And biographer Penny Juner said at one point um, about Camilla when she was introduced to Charles and he thought she was pretty special. He thought she was a bit... A bit of all right. A bit of all right. <laughs> and she thought, Andrew is at the moment off with Princess Anne. You know her brother. Teach Andrew a lesson. So she had a fling with Charles. Ew. Right? Ew. I turned it into a two-syllable word to really convey my disgust at this. But the crown also continually reminds me how related his parents are. So it's yeah. like... You know, things are just complicated. We've covered this a little bit before. I can't remember if it was like a Van Schaubenzi wedding or whatever. We were just like, all these people have dated each other, and I can't wrap my brain around it. And it's not just this generation of royals. It's, of course, even more intense, like, in their parent generation. Like, they just had this social circle of, like, 16 people. It's like my middle school class, you know? It's like Vanderpump Rules. Everyone it is, is sir. like Vanderpump Rules. You're Everyone like, these are the only sir. people we can date. Yes. It's just so deeply alarming to me. And then speaking of similar circles, um, after she stopped dating Andrew Parker Bowles and married Mark Phillips in November 1973. <laughs> yes. And so. they had a royal wedding that had per the Times, New York Times, there were more than 500 million viewers, which was the most ever for a wedding at the time. And as many as 2,000 guests were there. But it wasn't all a fairy fairy tale because the marriage was plagued by rumors of distance and infidelity. Of course. It wouldn't be a royal marriage without a bit of that. Um, Sorry, I was laughing before because in their Wikipedia page, in in Princess Anne's Wikipedia page, it says that she she met Mark Phillips at a party for fellow horse enthusiasts. Like, it's just so Windsor, you know? It says that in the Chicago Tribune. I know, but, like, it's a similar... On her Wikipedia, it's, like, it was a party for horse enthusiasts. Oh. (laughs) It's just funny. It's just funny to me. Um, Again, super Windsor. Um, But, yeah, it's just... 
It's an interesting thing because I think that not a lot of Americans, like, have any awareness of Princess Anne, which is, frankly, probably how she likes it. But, of course, like, she got married before her brother, and that was a huge deal around the world. That was a huge TV moment, you know, Mm -hmm. in a way that her mother's wedding couldn't be because TV didn't exist yet. So, like, this was the first, like, huge royal wedding was hers. And And her dress is, like, very groovy. Yeah, and, of course, we all know that Anne was a British Royal Olympian for horses, Mm -hmm. equestrian. But then a really interesting thing that I've been seeing written about a lot was that the crown, um, you know, they depict some of the juicy parts of her life, but they missed, like, this really big thing, which was a kidnapping attempt on Uh, her life. uh Uh-huh. Yeah, and and it'll just show what a badass she is because— uh, this guy on March 20th, 1974, while she was traveling back um, to Buckingham Palace, this guy with two handguns uh, overtook the limo that she was in or the royal limo. And he shot her bodyguard in the shoulder and attempted to get her out of the car. And she said, not bloody likely. <laughs> and that's widely reported. She said, not bl- bloody yeah, he, likely. Because he told her, get out of the car. And she said, not bloody likely. Literally. Her bodyguard is bleeding from the torso, and in her bag, they found they later found in the kidnapper's bag uh, two pairs of handcuffs, tranquilizers, and a ransom letter addressed to the queen. And this one, cool as a cucumber, she's only like 20 years old, and she's like, mm-mm, piss that, off. That's how young she was? I'm going to find it right now. Well, I'll continue whilst you Google. Thank you. Um, So she apparently was instrumental in stopping the guy. So she threw herself out of the opposite passenger door (laughs) and knowing that he would attempt to run after her. And so then she jumped back into the door and I mean, sorry, into the car and locked the door. That makes it. You know how we all know like that they go through like kidnapping training. That seems very maneuvery. Like she had some things planned. So she was 23 when this happened. Do you know what I was doing at 23? I was unpaid interning by day and (laughs) sports bar waitressing by night. Well, that's actually, that takes a lot of resolve and toughness, to be fair. But I I am Princess Anne. I am. I wish they had depicted this. And like, if I can just issue my complaint with the crown in general now, it's not like this is the first time I've said this and I'm not the first person to say this, but like a lot of attention on the men and their issues and their interior lives and how tough it is to be a man. And we never like see a lot of... I don't know what the queen is struggling with or I I, I don't know. Everything is like from a very dude lens, which bothers me. And so I'm like, can we go, can we have a Princess Anne episode where she's just getting kidnapped and like cursing at her kidnappers? That's funny. Give me that. Yeah. Please. I would like a Princess Anne movie. I mean, obviously the whole show is like ostensibly about Queen Elizabeth, but so much of this season that I've seen. And people that will be taking over the crown. Yeah. But so much of what I've seen this season is just like she's very nervous and she doesn't know what to do and so men tell her what to do and you know what i don't buy it i don't buy it so speaking of uh terrible men (laughs) so we recorded last week on tuesday and on wednesday and we talked a little bit about andrew and then on wednesday we got a statement um from prince andrew where he uh I can't even say apologize because he literally didn't do that. He just said, I continue to unequivocally regret my ill-judged association with Jeffrey Epstein. Um, 
But he said that um, it's become clear to him that the circumstances relating to my former association with Jeffrey Epstein has become a major disruption to my family's work and the valuable work going on in the many organizations and charities that I am proud to support. Therefore, I ask Her Majesty if I may step down from public duties for the foreseeable future when she has given her permission. Yeah, so he... uh People are using the word retired, which seems sort of dramatic and sweeping, but um, he's stepping back. And at the same time, a lot of his patronages and charities have been dumping him. So it's sort of like a trying to do the breakup before other people break up with you kind of thing. Um, and he's been, according to the Times of London, um, he's been ordered to move his private office out of Buckingham Palace and um, uh, even like the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra was like, trying to distance themselves. Yeah, basically all so many of his charities that he works with are like, we're not touching, we're not working with him anymore. Like how crappy must that have been if you had a royal patron and that was helping keep you afloat and helping, you know, bring attention to your cause. And then he has like done such shady crap, allegedly. And you have to like deal with this PR crisis that is not your fault. Well, you have to like, who wants to be associated? Like, these groups don't want to be associated with him. And that just sucks because, like, they could have had somebody help them or they could have found, like, I don't know. I just it's think just that it, they're collateral damage and they shouldn't be, and it sucks. Yeah, that's really the issue. Yeah, like, the English National Wait, ballet. hold on. I don't sound like I'm apologizing for him at all, right? Because no, I think, okay, no, good. No, no. And so it's just, like, I was really, I don't know if the word is surprised. It's it's such a big deal. This is a big deal. One of the Queen's four children is like, uh, I'm out. You know, and that's a massive deal. And there's a lot of analysis to be had. And frankly, like, I don't even know that we're equipped to have that kind of analysis. And thankfully, lots of other people have been providing that analysis. So we really loved this super big deep dive um, from town and country. The royal family has lost control of the message. Um, They interviewed Johnny Diamond, who was the BBC's, quote, exhausted royal correspondent. Um, Now, I'm just going to quote him here. So Johnny Diamond said this was a total car crash and a terrible mistake. And he had covered all kinds of things in his career before he got to the Royals. And he basically was like covering the Royals as like covering earthquakes and bombings. Like I, I wasn't even prepared for this with my long year and my long career in journalism. And so, you know, town and country spoke with people to do this sort of analysis of why this disaster happened strictly from a PR perspective. And so some of the insights were really interesting because they were saying that, for example, like we assume that the communications offices at Buckingham Palace are organized and are working together. And And are huge. And are huge, but truthfully, they're not. Like some, it might be two or three people making these decisions, and maybe they're not getting any counsel or bigger counsel on this, and they don't realize how bad it actually became. And there's so many different offices, and they all operate independently. And so that can make for a bit of a mess. And in the past, the PR machine has worked well. Like, it helped rehabilitate Prince Charles's image after he, you know, seemed kind of cruelly remote after Diana died, to right. quote, town and country. And then also as he prepared to marry his former, former mistress. So, like, they've done some good PR work and kind of worked with some yeah. stuff. But they, they're not doing well here. They're not doing <laughs> well here. And um, they've also talked about how... Um, the PR teams have changed quite a bit. Like when William, Mary, and Kate, the PR team changed. And, you know, William and Harry already had their own private office. And at the time, interest in the royal family had really intensified. But once Meghan got onto the scene, as everybody knows, the interest only skyrocketed. Yeah. And But um, 
Johnny Diamond says that, like, despite this, like, the teams haven't expanded. So it still is, like, quite small. Yeah, he says three to five people. I think people have an impression, and certainly my editors do, that these are 24-hour operations with rows of people fielding inquiries from Auckland to L.A., but it's not like that at all. There are teams of three to five people, some of some of who are more experienced than others. Um so I just don't think they knew how bad this was. And it, it's just so weird for this to be blowing up at the same time that I am watching The Crown because, for example, like, let's say the Aberfan episode, you guys can clearly tell which ones I've seen so far and which ones I haven't because I keep referring to the same ones. But in the Aberfan episode, you know, of course, you get the prime minister being like, I don't think you realize how bad you seem right now. Mm-hmm. Like, everyone's talking about you. And, like, I'm going to have to put bad stuff about you in the press to make you pay attention to me. And it sort of is just such a remarkable mirroring that here we are, you know, 50 years later and the queen and some members of the royal family are just, like, not getting how bad things are. And maybe this is where I mentioned that, like, obviously the day after he sort of stepped back from royal—Andrew stepped back from royal duties, um, the queen—he and the queen were photographed riding horses together. Which is— I mean, obviously, we can't know what was happening in that conversation. Like, maybe she was, like, scolding him. I mean, I hope she was. Maybe she was scolding him. I mean, we know she loves horses. Maybe that's where she goes to admonish her children. Who knows? Right. Like, that's where where she has serious talk. She's like, you and me, young man, we're going on a horse ride adventure. But, But like, I don't know. And it just—all it did was give the impression that she's supporting him again, sort of— At least privately. Yeah, and— it reminds me of when those accusations first came out a couple months ago. I mean, of course, they've been coming out for years. But when they came out a couple months ago, when Epstein was back in the news, um, she brought him to church. Remember, they were photographed going to church together. And she has these ways of showing her support. And, you know, it is her son. And I can't understand, thank God, what it's like to have that kind of relationship with a son who's growing up that badly. But what do you do with this? It's just horrifying you know um i also i just want to say like i think that some other people in the royal family have gone through hard times and been treating treated unfairly and i haven't really seen the same level of support that she's showing someone who's been photographed with people who are accusing him of really grave misdeeds yes exactly and so you know there are um there have been rumors for years not i don't know if rumors is the word but reportedly this andrew is like her favorite kid right which is also horrible <laughs> i feel like people go to therapy about this for years of like my mom likes my brother better yeah. but to everyone apparently knows that this is her favorite son which like what does that even mean but um I hope she can talk some sense into him. I don't even know what that means at this point, but, like, he's done the right thing insofar as he's stepping back and, like... Well, it seems like now the right thing, according to reports that we've read, not according to our own personal opinion, would be um, complying with investigators who are looking into these things. Yes. My God, please. So So there's that. Um, What is... Maybe not positive is the word, but um, apparently Vanity Fair was reporting um, as... Or they were re-reporting on the Times of London said that uh, Prince William reportedly had a hand in the ouster. Um, And of course, like we discussed this a little bit last week that like poor Prince Charles and Camilla were on this tour of New Zealand that was like a smash success, but who paid attention to it because his brother was off doing things like this. But uh, of course, I imagine he was upset about it. And of course, William would be upset about it. He's, you know, (laughs) the Times said William um, is, quote, not a huge fan of his uncle Andrew, unquote, which like, of course, I mean, again, that generation of the family and Charles and Camilla are trying so hard to do good work. And it's 
just this one interview from Andrew and all the horrible things he's done and or reportedly done. And all that good work goes out the window and people hate the monarchy all over again because they just lump them all together. It's just how, of course, William would be upset. Like, this is what he's set to inherit. And the Telegraph had a report saying that now that Charles is back, he is reportedly furious and he is going to meet with his brother immediately. Um, It is understood that the prince is determined to get a grip on the situation once he's back and ensure that there is no further collateral damage to the royal family, even if that means removing his brother from the inner circle. Yeah. And then meanwhile, the queen canceled uh, his, birthday. his birthday party. But the way it's portrayed, they're like, you know, the party would have like highlighted his charities. And I was like, OK, we don't all need a birthday party. Like, no. I think that's someone who's accused of the things that he's accused of can just like deal with no birthday party. Also, he's turning 60 in February. So like how big was this party set to be that we've been planning it for months? And it's like your mommy canceled your birthday party. Like, and that's a disaster. Like this is deeply embarrassing. The last thing um, I'll say uh, to wrap things up, uh, Queen Elizabeth. So like I said, I don't know how to feel about her this week. She's really challenging my emotions. But uh, today, Tuesday, she went to an event. Um, I hope I pronounce this correctly, at the Royal Philatelic Society, which is a stamp-collecting organization. Um, They honor the history of stamps. And so the queen was shown a number of artifacts uh, related to stamps, and she looked at stamps of herself over the years, and she looked at the previous monarch stamps and just, like, cute stuff. Like, like if if everything were normal, this would have been my high of the week. I've been like, oh, cute. Because it's a, a cute super event. cute event. She looked really delighted throughout. She wore a smashing, like, teal blue suit with a really cute hat. But And you noted it's just, like, in The Crown when um, Olivia Coleman is looking at the stamp yes. of Claire Foy. Yeah, it's just, like, such a full circle sort of stamp moment. But again... I don't feel very cute toward her right now. So look at the photos because it was a super cute event. But, oh, man, come on, Windsors, get it together. So before we adjourn the royal pod, usually we would do our highs and lows. But we all know what our low would be this week. And instead, we want to just discuss what we're thankful for. Yes. um, So I'm going to be thankful for... um, This is going to be really cheesy. Oh, yay. I'm thankful (laughs) for the communities that have popped up, like... You know, in our Facebook group, I just think it's at a time like this when so much bad stuff is being aired publicly, rightfully, like very, very rightfully. Yeah. It's very nice to like kind of remember like, okay, well, there are some people in the royal family who have really inspired people and really brought people together. And I think it's special. Yeah. I'm thankful for the community um, that has sprung up around the Sussexes that people are just through the magic of the internet and through the magic of loving Harry and Meghan that much are just creating these grassroots movements for charity all completely on their own. How beautiful is that? And I'm very thankful um, for the arrival of Archie, the healthy arrival of Archie and all the Cambridge kids. Um, Towards the end of the year, I'm sure we'll do some of our highs and lows from the entire year, but I'm very grateful still for that moment in the spring when we got the the three. The the glasses was amazing. The sunglasses with Louis at the polo match. But I was going to say that when Kate unveiled her garden and we got the video of the three kids like running, screaming all around the garden and playing in the water and stuff, that was um, a high point for me. So I'm grateful for that. I'm so grateful for our listeners. Um, Thank you. I hope we're maybe, you know, accompanying you on your Thanksgiving travel. Travel safe. 
enjoy the turkey or the tofurkey or whatever vobble vobble you're eating today um, for our American listeners and forever for anyone listening around the world. Thank you for being here. Um, You can drop us an email at info at gallerypodcast.com to ask us any and all questions about the Royals. Remember to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Here's a real review from Claire's Mommy Honey. Um, It's... Stumbled across the podcast looking for information about Queen Elizabeth shortly before Harry and Meghan's wedding. I made a quick work of catching up on every episode and haven't missed one since. I love how lighthearted the ladies try to keep it. Not this episode. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) But they aren't afraid to tell it like it is when they need to. Oh, we did. Okay. Uh, Please don't ever stop talking about the royal family. Canadian flag. um, UK flag. American flag. You said flag with such a... Is that a Canadian accent right there? Yeah. Don't be ashamed of it. No. Be proud of who you are. It's a I'm, Commonwealth country. I'm proud, but I also am like, do I just not pronounce things correctly? I no, don't know. No, it was beautiful. You can follow the show at on Instagram, at Royally Obsessed Podcast, and join our Facebook group, Royally Obsessed. Where can people follow you, Lisa? Lisa Raya. That's L-I-S-A-R-Y-A. Just note that. <laughs> it's exactly how it sounds. Lisa Raya on Twitter and Instagram. And then you can follow me, Caitlin, at HeyKMenz, H-E-Y-K-M-E-N-Z on Twitter and Instagram, where I'll be sharing photos of my turkey and of my grandma's skinjili salad, which is a Napolitan like squid salad that she makes every year on Thanksgiving. Aww. Super Italian. Um, and until next week, God save the pot. God save the pot. Her Majesties of Royally Obsessed have retired for this episode. God save the pod. And if you fancy the podcast, give Royally Obsessed the royal rating of five stars on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast and join our Facebook group, Royally Obsessed. Royally Obsessed is a gallery podcast production.